Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows, while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. And I'm Charles Rogers, and I want to personally apologize to everyone for not standing space lesbian Indiana Jones up to this point. I've been reading the comics, and I, I have been introduced to the wonder that is Afra. Oh. I am so sorry. I was confused. I am so sorry. I well, I I meant to lead in with that to confuse you. His face just was hilarious. I was it like, was "What like, are you talking about?" I was like, "This is not in the pre meeting. What is this?" <laughs> no, I specifically did not mention this. Uh, I've been reading the Rising Storm was so good. I've been going back and reading the comics and mm-hmm. books. I have this new app on my phone called Marvel Unlimited that you can get for a week free and then $9.99 a month. And you can read like 25,000 comics, I think, on it. They put them on there six months after release. Hashtag not sponsored. (laughs) Yeah, in the spirit of... Now, Bradley, I have to ask, in the spirit of last week's me having to record on my iPhone, you're currently recording from the gaudiest hotel room I've ever seen. (laughs) We're not going to say which hotel it is, but... The gaudiest I've ever seen in my life. Are you recording right. on your iPhone this week? No, I am on my laptop, thankfully. Uh, but I am on hotel Wi-Fi, so maybe it's good, maybe it's not. We'll find out. Um, That's what we record the backup audio for. Exactly. Uh, now, yes, it is gaudy, and I mean, people can figure it out for themselves. It it may or may not be in Nashville. And it may or may not be owned by a drag queen um, country singer. So. We'll let people figure out where that is, but um, it's beautiful. It's pink. Uh, it's gorgeous. It's There's gold gay. and glitz everywhere. It's very gay. <laughs> it's very gay. It's so funny. You should see the lobby. It's fucking wild. Like it's, it looks like a sorority girl's dream. Like it's amazing. You know, I lived in Nashville for two and a half years. Uh, and I never even heard of this before now, but it does not surprise me. In I know. the slightest to I know. hear any of this. It's wild. So we have before we jumped into the jump into the episode, um, and we want to just do this real fast because this was a complete 180 from last week. Like, I love this episode. I love it so much. I've seen it three times now. But Minima Saud, who we mentioned last week, had been allegedly cast in the role of Ezra. Uh, we mentioned last week is most known for playing the live action Ezra or the live action Aladdin. What I forgot to mention last week was the trivia fact that when the designers of Rebels were designing the character of Ezra, they actually based him off of Aladdin. They based his design and conception off of the street rat Aladdin. So that was, uh, that was a thing we didn't talk about. Which segues us nicely into another quick piece of news to talk about, which is Rosario Dawson. Actually, uh, she didn't post anything herself. She shared a somebody else's post about the casting of Lars Mikkelsen and Minimasoud in those roles, which is about as close to confirmation as we're gonna get. So, Bradley, what do you think? Do you think it's safe to say that they've probably been cast in those roles? Um, I'm going to go with if Rosario Dawson is going ahead and 
doing that either one of the EPs on the show or just the PR people in general were like, okay, you can do that. Kind of like a, not a, not an official like kind of statement, but like enough of a backdoor statement to be like, yeah, go ahead and do that. We're not really ready to announce it yet, but go they ahead and do it. Like, just stir up drama, you know? They know that like podcasters are going to be just like, if they say that a bunch of dumb podcasters will talk about it the next week and right. drum up buzz for your show. And, right. Exactly. Oh, look not at that, Bradley. We're part of the Disney marketing machine. But it's so funny. It's like, it's not even like they need the drop. Like, you know what I mean? They don't even need the PR for that show. Like, come on. Like people like that show's not even going to be made for like another two years. Like who cares? Maybe Lucasfilm has discovered you can actually market more than one product at once. That's true. It's possible that this might have dawned on them somewhere. Maybe Kevin Feige sent them an email and said, you guys know you're allowed to promote more than one show at a time. Right. But we're all just so thirsty for content all of the time that it's like anything will latch on to. Right. And speaking of things to uh, latch on to, or rather slip off of and fall down into the forest below. <laughs> okay, well, that was a great segue. Moving <laughs> That was the second or third worst segue I've ever done on this show. I promise I'm funny in real life. Uh, Bradley, what did you think of uh, episode 14, War Mantle? Overall thoughts before we dive into it. Um, okay, let's see. Overall thoughts. Um, wow, such an improvement from last week. Like they really said hopefully i'm assuming this is a trend in the next three episodes including this one um so this will be number one and then the next two which are the final two episodes i'm assuming they're trying to start this slow escalation of finale which is working because this week i felt pacing was really good it was action scenes without feeling like we were only getting like they fight and it was I very have good a lot of notes on the action scenes which cool. is rare yeah. for this show. So I did like it. Um, I, the one thing that did bother me though, is I obviously, I haven't seen Clone Wars in God knows how long. And so when they mentioned, you know, the, the call sign for the clone that they have to rescue in this episode, I genuinely could not told, could have told you who it was. I didn't. I could not either. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. We'll talk about that. What did you think of it? Overall, I, I loved it. I've, I've mentioned before, I've seen it three times now, uh, just today. So I watched it once in the morning on the train. Uh, and then I did my note taking on the train coming back from work. And then Bradley got in from his work and was like, oh, I'll be about 30 minutes. I went, great. 30 minutes is just enough time to watch this episode <laughs> again. One more time. I even broke my policy of generally I never talk to anybody about the episode before I come and talk to Bradley about it. Mm -hmm. I actually briefly broke that policy today to talk about some of the stuff I loved in this episode. Oh no. So it was, uh, I just, I loved it. I was blown away. It definitely is going, like you said, into that final three arc. Yes. It's, we're definitely building up. This is where the budget for last week all went, was into these last three episodes. 
I see that now because as I was watching it, I was like, wait a minute, this animation's really good. Wait a minute. These the action sequences are very choreographed in like a nice way. Like, oh, there's something's wrong here. <laughs> yeah, the something is here's where all the money went. Yeah, I feel like the last episode was like literally a filler episode. They literally had to have it to complete their 16 episode, you know, season that they promised Disney. And then they were like, okay, here's all the rest of the money. Let's just use it. Or they knew that Sid really wasn't going to feature that much in the final arc of the show. And they felt like they had to do something to kind of tie up, but not really that particular angle to the plot, at least for this this season of the show right so let's dive into it uh now just for fun okay i skipped the intro to the show same so i i waited and it's the second the button came up i tapped the button and i was watching the timestamp. bradley you want to guess how much intro is skipped uh i'm gonna say eight seconds it's less no it is not i i tracked this it is roughly four and a half seconds wow why don't you have offer the skip (laughs) they have a skip intro button to skip four and a half seconds it it cuts you right in the middle of the episode title card right so like what even is the point also it still plays the new star wars logo first and then asks you if you want to skip then makes you skip so it it literally it's a good like i want to say 30 seconds into the episode before you're allowed to even skip the titles like and then you skip for 4.5 seconds right makes no sense amazing amazing i just hate this so i want to bring it up at every opportunity (laughs) Uh, we open on a planet at night. Now, when I first watched this episode, uh, I watched it on my phone on the train, and I thought we were on Lothal. So I kind of rolled my eyes. Oh, because it looked like kind of like almost barren, like it mountainscape. Looked, yeah, it looked just the angle and where the sun was at on my phone. Mm. Uh, with the mounds, it looked like like a sexier version of the mounds on Lothal. Right. Of course, the next shot is jungly uh, with forest. forest would, oh, yeah. okay. It was only when I watched it my third time on my computer that I realized it was a shot of the mountain that's the setting of this episode. Got it. Uh, we are on a planet called Daro. To my oh. research, Daro has never uh, been mentioned before. It is totally new. Okay. And I'm going to do something I'm going to do several times during the recording of this episode. And that is, I am going to slam on the brakes to gush about how good the animation in this episode is. <laughs> okay. Did you see the fucking light beams? Uh, yes, I'm staring at them now. And honestly, it looks like uh, it's from E.T. Like, it looks like Steven Spielberg. It looks like... live action. <laughs> yes, it like, looks real. Like, it comes, the moonlight comes through the trees, and then you get the flashlight from the clone troopers. God. Yeah, it looks real. It really does. That's like, so funny. They put an insane amount of work into this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a clone. We do not know yet who it is. Okay. Uh, but they are being chased by both clones and by Mastiffs. Uh, do you recognize the Mastiffs, Bradley? 
So it, I think that's the one thing that Anakin left out uh, in Attack of the Clones that he murdered uh, because he says the women and the children, but he doesn't say the dogs too. Yes, they they <laughs> are actually recognized. I'm impressed. I am actually impressed. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah, they are they are native to Tatooine. We've yes. seen them in the Mandalorian. Uh, I believe we've also seen them in Attack of the Clones, and we've seen them some other places. Yeah, I like them. They're cute. They're like mini versions of like, uh, they almost remind me of the, um, what's the cat called? The Nexu. The Nexu. They look like mini versions of the Nexu. I don't know why. It's the big mouth or something. It's the little spines too that look like they have. They're domesticated by Tusken Raiders. Right. Which is, I thought it was weird that the clones had them. Yeah, there was another... There was a thing that popped up in Clone Wars that I was listening to a podcast about Mm -hmm. today. And they were talking about, oh, this creature is, it's the fart camels. And they're like, oh, they're this common thing that's native to Tatooine. I'm like, hmm, if Tatooine is producing this common farm animal, then why is it so far off the beaten path? Yeah, and then when they're in this episode, I'm thinking, like, maybe they're native to this planet? Like, because I don't understand why, like, you know, that's not something you would ship in. The Empire would be like, oh, yeah, let's ship in these dogs. Like, that makes no sense, you know? So, I want to believe... It's the rat debate again. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're, yeah, maybe it's just a common creature that most people, you know, traffic <laughs> in the planets. I don't know. So we've got this clone just slaps this kind of beacon thing, which is abnormally loud, and I don't know how the other clones don't discover it, but whatever plot has to happen. Right. Uh, So they shoot him, and the stun beam hits him, but it's like it disables his leg. Yeah, like it's... So if you actually, like, play back the scene... You For context, can... Bradley is actually looking at the episode right now and following along. Right, just so I have like context, because um, I only saw it once. Unlike Charles, who saw it three times, so he's like got it burned into his brain. <laughs> um, so if you look at it when they play the animation, if you do it really slow, you can see the stun only shoots him in the legs, and the blue outline when it hits him, it only outlines his legs. So it stuns just his legs (laughs) is that what happens when stuns miss i guess that's what happened yeah i guess it missed it wasn't a direct shot like i think it has to hit you in your torso for you to knock out or something but can you theoretically like shoot somebody in the hand and just disable an arm like that's true does this work dave please explain i think they just wanted to do the limping i think so because the second time it hits him it outlines the top of his head and so now I feel like that's like a chest shot. So then it like disables your heart or something. I don't even know what it does, but you know. I don't know. This is the one thing I didn't research, which I gotcha. did a lot of research before we went into this episode because there's so many references. Right. And then Twitter pointed out some more to me, one big one that I'll bring up. So that clone is recaptured. Uh, we then cut to the Bad Batch's ship Uh, where Hunter is sitting there doing knife tricks. (laughs) And I want to bring up two things about this little uh, two, three second sequence. Uh, Firstly, Hunter doing the knife tricks is hot as fuck. (laughs) I I don't know why. 
but Omega looking at him and trying to imitate him yes is adorable as fuck yeah because she's got her little fixie tool thing and she's like trying to twirl it a little bit she's like huh how's he doing that I can I can do this it's it's watching your big brother and being like oh yeah I can also do this which no you can't (laughs) they get a call from Rex um Rex has a hood because all holograms by law must right. you must be wearing a hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was also pointed out to me that you know if you're watching it not on your phone, then he's got like stubble. Like you can actually see the stubble on his face. Interesting. Like it is super detailed. The models are now. Yeah. But I had a very important question about this sequence, and that is, what exactly is Rex doing? Yeah, overall, I, I think again, you. I mean, you may be right about this second season thing because they're setting some weird thing up. Like Rex is like he's got something going on in the background that we're not seeing, and I feel like they're slowly building up to whatever that thing is that he's doing. It's not Ahsoka. He's right. not working with Ahsoka because they went their separate ways yeah. after uh, after Clone Wars. Like, that was the last time they saw each other. To my knowledge, watch, this may have to be the thing that Charles fucked up on the next episode. But now, when we meet him again in Rebels, he's, like, disillusioned and doesn't like he's off on a planet somewhere with Wolf and Gregor. So the question is like, what happened between now when he's active right. and Rebels when he's on an ATTE on some random planet? So I think what's funny is I, I think he may be, to my knowledge, I mean, he said, okay, so he says he's an old friend. He's in trouble. I need you guys to help this clone. I think that he's not amassing a team, but kind of like, he's trying to get clones out of there, right? Like he's trying to save them in a way I'm guessing, or at least trying to. That's not dissimilar than what I think the show is going in the direction of clone uprising. Okay. I feel that. And I would not be surprised if Rex accidentally instigates that. If, if you're right. And his whole thing right now is I'm trying to go around and save as many clones as possible by removing their inhibitor chips. Right. But it can only save Wolf and Gregor that we eventually see right. on the ATTE with him. But he also accidentally instigates like a clone uprising through people like Hauser and the rest of them are killed. Right. That would make me run away and go fishing too. Yeah, I'm thinking... That's kind of, I, I think that's kind of where we're going because obviously by the time, you know, New Hope rolls around, there's no more quote unquote clones anymore, or at least they've retconned it so that there's no more clones. There's anymore. no more clones anymore. There's like three left. Right. Well, well that we, at that point, no. there's two left inactive. Uh, there's Rex, and then Wolf is, I think, off doing his own thing. I think I would have to check. Uh, I know Gregor dies in Rebels. Gotcha. Uh, okay. But Rex is at indoor. Uh, but I think only Wolf and Rex are confirmed to be alive by that. Where is Cody? So I was going to say, when he said, there's a clone in trouble or whatever, I was like, oh, it's Commander Cody. That like, is literally also what I thought. And I was like, God damn it, we were right. Like, we were right. We I were was talking like, about the Cody, other day. 
Cody is gonna or uh Cody Watch is gonna be so happy. I listen to another show and they do a Cody Watch every week. Uh shout out Roop Helps Pod Race, but they do a Cody Watch every week. Yeah. And they're getting gradually dejected as the series goes along. Uh, so my thought was one, yay, we finally get to find out what Cody's been doing. And yeah. second was, oh man, Cody Watch is gonna be super excited for the didn't happen. Yeah, no. Didn't happen. <laughs> But they say the designation. Uh, Tech says that, that the beacon was placed by CC5576. Okay. I didn't know who the fuck that was. I, I literally didn't. I, that's why I was so mad because I, I hoped that their numbers were like a little more, like they meant more. I think that's the problem with them because they're just random numbers. The only clone I could tell you the numbers for is CT5555. Oh, I wonder if that's uh, fives. It may or may not be fives. (laughs) It may or may not be fives. So they refer to this clone as CC5576, which I tried looking up clone designations Mm -hmm. because they seem to refer to the regular troopers as CTs. Because uh, Rec uh, Hunter later refers to himself as CT99, or to them overall as CT99. Right. So it's possible CT clone trooper CC might have been a clue clone commando. Oh. That when we see this character earlier, he's wearing the clone commando armor when we saw him back in Clone Wars. So he is a clone commando. Interesting. That might have been a clue. Of course, if you were deep enough in the lore to know what a clone commando is versus a clone trooper, you probably know who fucking CC5576 is. That's probably true, because I had no idea, so. Also, you probably have a YouTube channel um, and probably <laughs> make 10-minute videos where you just read Wikipedia articles, so. That's right. Not mad about the money people are making from that at all. Definitely not mad I didn't get in on that when I had the chance. Right. Moving on. Uh so they have kind of an argument back and forth. I love the argument. I also love that Wrecker just agrees with the last person who spoke. Yeah, he was like, yeah, that, that makes sense. Or, yeah, you're totally That makes right. sense. Yeah. <laughs> that also makes sense. I love that. And then we get the best shot in the entire episode. This beautiful shot of Camino as the Venator-class destroyers are hovering behind it and the lightning flashes and it looks like Exegol. I was just about to say that. It reminded me of that. I was like, damn, this is Rise of Skywalker already. Like, how? I was like, that looks so sick. Why did they do that in Attack of the Clones? Like, that was so cool. It was the great, like when I watched it on my computer, I had to pause it and just mm-hmm. drink it in for a moment. It's so beautiful. Right. Like it's cinematography, peak cinematography. They say that uh, every, they have a conversation, Rampart and Crosshair in the hangar. They're mobilizing every viable clone. Apparently this includes the creepy clone children. Yeah, which didn't look right to me. Something was a little, somehow they looked better as Clone Wars models. Yeah, because the ones here, they didn't look like, well, if I remember correctly, they do not, they don't look anything like Boba. So 
maybe this is now this could be true or not but maybe this is a subtle like hey this is what happens when the genes are deteriorating and then the clones are not getting as good they look you know a little off because they're not exactly close enough to the source material it is entirely possible um i tried to look up who voiced the clone children because they also didn't quite sound right right uh they didn't look right and they didn't sound right i've chosen to accept your theory yeah that's my headcanon because that makes the animation and then the voice and everything just work because then i can go oh well they're clearly just like the last batch and they're really shitty because right. like, they're running out of dna so and that's why they need uh, omega the full cast list of the episode is only five people uh oh. so i'm assuming it's none of them big. are daniel logan none <laughs> of them are daniel logan so i'm thinking d bradley baker probably voiced the clone kids they just pitched it up and they just maybe pitched it up slightly gotcha um but yeah they look weird so we we get the continuation of the Camino plot that I love so much, mm-hmm. uh, where Lamasu pulls Nalase into his office. <laughs> now I do want to note here uh, that during a a brief intermission we just had, I got curious and Googled because um, I was on IMDb anyway checking something, check to see who voiced Lamasu and if it was the same person as the films. Is a guy named Bob Berg, Bergen. Bob Bergen. I can't read today and process letters in my brain. <laughs> but it's a guy named Bob Bergen. He did not voice Lama Sue in uh, the film Attack of the Clones, but he did voice Lama Sue in The Clone Wars. And he's done a lot of Star Wars voices. Oh, nice. So there's your fun fact for the day. Lamasu pulls him in and delivers my favorite line in the episode. We have empowered them to our own detriment. I I heard that. I go, well, duh. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think was happening, Lamasu? And you know what's funny is they kind of shot themselves in the foot because everybody, like he says at one point, he goes, everybody in the galaxy knows how good we are at cloning. Like... Nalase says it. Or Nalase says it. I'm sorry. She goes, everybody knows that we're so fucking good at cloning. So, like, of course the Empire is not going to want anybody else to be able to do what we do. Like, what do they they think? We're just going to let you go make armies for other people? No, we're just going to kill you and burn your research. Clearly. Well, he says the Empire, this Empire is not like the Republic. Right. Lama Su's fatal flaw was that he believed... The Kaminoans were always very good at playing the game in the Republic. Mm-hmm. Their senator was very, or their representative to the Senate was very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not how the Empire works. The Empire does not need politicians. Right. As Lama Su finds out later in this episode. Right. I will note here that, uh, we are officially six minutes into the episode. That is everything we have had to talk about just for the first six minutes. Wow, that's pretty impressive because, yeah, I, I paused it and I was like, oh, 
wow, that's a lot for six minutes. Like that's a lot of information in six minutes. That's how good this episode is. There's so much and yet it doesn't feel like too much. Mm -hmm. We're not even to the best parts that made me, I am so glad I watched A New Hope recently. (laughs) Uh, The approach to Dara when they fly in and they land the ship is gorgeous. Watching it on my phone at slightly lower quality than my computer, I almost could have been fooled into thinking it was a live action shot. And you know what's funny is I love how it's the same shot that we saw in the very beginning of the episode, just daytime. Like it's so like, it's almost like on the computer, they just like turned it up and they were just like, here, let's just turn on the sun real quick. And then you would think, but no, they've, they've done so much. Yeah. It's it's just beautiful. The shot of the ship flying down and landing the whole approach in is just gorgeous for this nothing planet. That's just jungle and a mountain. Right. That's it. Uh, Hunter does his hunter thing. So they get out and Hunter kind of does his hunter thing. He didn't have much to do in the first little bit, but he's gotten to use his mutation a lot. He's hunting. Uh, That's his thing. That's why he's called (laughs) Hunter. Right. So Wrecker and Omega get kind of sidelined at this point. Hunter's like, go back to the ship. I like that he sends both of them back mm-hmm. that it's not just omega and i feel like omega doesn't protest as much because wrecker was also sent back right which with good reason obviously you know moving forward like you have to have i'm sorry you have to have a backup plan and he says later in the episode you are the backup <laughs> don't come and get us now you are there to come and get us later Right, because we need an escape plan if something goes wrong. And I, which, it does. Which, which means something is going to go wrong. So we need you. They go back to the ship. It's going to be Echo, Tech, and Hunter, which I also love because Echo and Tech, we've talked about, have not nearly had as much of a chance to shine. Right. This is an episode where both of them really get a chance to shine, have their character, explore their character a little bit in subtle ways, which I really loved about this mm-hmm. episode. One of the things I actually liked about last week was the subtle exploration of tech. Did you notice when they cloned, they climbed them and they cloned the mountain? They cloned, when yeah, they, when they cloned it. When they cloned the mountain, uh, when they climbed the mountain, the Clone Wars theme kind of swelled, the clone theme. Okay. Which is, this is the moment before we're going to discover that the Clone Wars have well and truly ended. Mm. So they end right before that on this epic clone note. Gotcha. I'm going to talk about the music a lot in this episode because the music is also very, very good. And it is partly Clayton's fault that I notice the music now. (laughs) Every time we get him on the show, it's like he always brings up the music. And I'm like, you're right. The Kiner's music is good. Although I think it might just be one of the kinders working on it gotcha uh so they get it to the mountain they discover a big hole make whatever jokes you want about that uh, and they kind of look over it and they get their binoculars and they're looking down and they just dis- they look down they're seeing troops disembarking and they mention that what they think are clones have gotten updated armor, but we don't really get a good look at them. 
we do get a good look at the clone commandos that are there. Did you recognize the clone commandos at all? I no, I don't know the difference. So. No. Yeah. But we also get a name drop of what the Bad Batch's ship is actually called. Did you know it was called the Marauder? I I didn't know that. Neither did I until I watched this episode. I feel like they probably mentioned it in the pilot or something, and we just didn't. They've mentioned it. That. They must have mentioned it somewhere, but this was the first time I noted, oh, the ship has a name. So you and I have talked, Bradley, yes. uh, about Echo and Tech kind of being interchangeable. This episode demonstrated my point that they are not, because throughout the first half of the episode, Echo was the one that stood out as saying, we need to go help this clone. Right. If Rex says we need to help him, we need to help him. And that culminates at this scene on the ridge where Echo says, you know, they're, they're going to turn around and leave. Mm-hmm. They're done. And Echo's like, you came for me on Skako Minor. Right. It is my job to return that, to pass that along, to pay that forward, which is just a fantastic Echo moment and something only he could do. Yeah, that's true. I guess Tech can't really be like, but we have to go back for the clone because we're brothers or something. You know what I mean? It just wouldn't have the same effect if he was just kind of like, but we're family, you know, unless Omega was there and then she can do that, but no one else can do that. Echo has that lived experience of being a reg that none of the other batch members have. Right. They are ready to abandon this clone the second that it looks like it's going to be too much. But Echo, as a reg, loves his brothers with a ferocity that the Bad Batch could not possibly understand, at least that specific, the way that, that the regs bonded with each other. So it was just a perfect, like, Echo moment. Back on the ship, Omega and Wrecker are playing a little uh, card game on Gonky. <laughs> Multi-purpose use Gonky. Of course, because he's just, you know, he's either a table or a chair or a battery or whatever, you know, whatever you need him for. You talked about in like episode zero or one of this, you talked about there's always the droid. Yep. The droid is always there. I think Gonky has acquitted himself very well as the droid. Because Gonky is a delight, and I want one. Right. We get a little sequence where they have to ride on top of the elevator and jump off of it. Kind of a nod to Revenge of the Sith. Just sort of. And then we get best sequence for me. And y'all can't see this because we don't post these recordings, but I am absolutely grinning with this shit-eating grin. And Bradley looks so, like... He just knows that I'm going to point out a bunch of shit little details about this sequence. Okay. We get our first musical cue. Did you recognize the music when they jump off the elevator and the stormtroopers walk by? Um, no, but I'm visually looking at it now, so I'm assuming it's the Obi-Wan Kenobi on a new it is. It is the Obi-Wan Kenobi from A New Hope when he's running around in the Death Star. Got it. We get that. When Hunter kind of comes around and he's starting to move through the hallway, we actually get the intercom noise. Ah, We get the person speaking on the intercom that we heard in the Death Star in A New Hope. And then finally, we get our first look 
at what's either the phase one or the prototype stormtrooper armor. Oh, okay. I thought I recognized, like, I, I was like, it doesn't look quite like stormtrooper armor, but it was close enough to where I was like, oh, those must be just those regular. Are yeah, those are stormtroopers. Okay. And then um, I don't really know this, but I'm assuming the guy leading them is the commando. Is that yes? So okay. the guys in the slightly different armor are clone commandos, and we find out later in the episode. Okay. What's actually happened is clone commandos have been brought here to train the stormtroopers. Got it. Is okay. what's that going on. Yeah. So each of these clone commandos are in charge of teaching different uh, units of stormtroopers. What I love about the armor design is that you can kind of tell that it's a phase one armor because it looks like an armor that the Empire uh, Financial Office is going to look at later and go, we can make some budget cuts to this. Right. Like the way that their head, the armor in their head, their cranium is very, very thick. Mm. You can tell the budget office is going to look at that and be like, do they really need that though? Like what are the odds they're going to get shot in the back of the head that much? Eh, probably slim. You know, no one's going to rebel. It's fine. Like we could just a... We could save money. Uh, we could save uh, several hundred million credits by reducing the thickness of the stormtrooper helmets by three point two Star Wars space units. It's you can kind of tell that these are a prototype armor, and then we get another separate Empire musical cue from A New Hope. I couldn't sing either one of them to you because my brain didn't retain them, but it specifically recognized them from that film. It's just so much A New Hope reference packed into what's literally like 45 seconds of screen time. But they head over to like a panel, Tech opens it up and is starting to mess with like the computer thing. So Tech starts messing around on one of the computers to try to figure out him and Echo. And he mentions uh, that there are 50 clone commandos and 1,000 TK units on the base. And he doesn't know what a TK unit is, but we do. Right. Because TK is the designation for an Imperial Stormtrooper. So if CT stands for Clone Trooper, what does TK stand for? Or is it just random? That is a great question. I don't know. And I would tell you because I Googled it, and guess what? Google doesn't know either. <laughs> Nobody fucking knows. It just, Maybe just the TK. T stands for trooper. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what it would mean, though. But like, I wouldn't TK. know what the K would stand for. Oh, well. Uh, one of the mysteries. I'll, com- I'll ask George one day when I, I meet him when I'm dead. Leave a, co- leave a comment below uh, the episode if you know what uh, the thing is. They have now officially brought in. This is our clue as the audience that we're working with honest to God stormtroopers and not gotcha. clone. So we get a sequence uh, with Gregor, is who we're going to find out is in the cell. I've I've spoiled it. Oh no! You mean CC five seven six whatever? Yeah, you didn't actually get it right. It's CC five oh. five seven six. That was that was random, by the way. <laughs> complete guess. I did not know that. Bradley's uh, brain is fried, which I don't blame him. Um, <laughs> everyone, I, I feel like we don't appreciate Bradley enough on this show and how hard he actually works to make sure we get these episodes out every week. That's right. Because he 
he comes in and records these even when he's doing his thing he comes in and records these like a trooper like a, a CC like trooper. a trooper <laughs> well we get a trooper who walks up past cc 5576 cell i realize the second time i watched this that finding out later that this clone commando was an instructor this was probably one of his students which is why he's so pissed mm. but you know who voices this character uh, real guy. life real life clone trooper gregor uh lucas it's the same guy who voices <laughs> rampart oh okay i didn't write his name down but i did note on the end credits i was gonna say the gregor has a slightly weird oh, not voice gregor so oh. the trooper that walks by is voiced by the same guy that voices Rampart. Oh. Gregor is voiced by... Do you want to take a wild fucking guess who clone trooper Gregor is voiced by? I mean, obviously it's Bradley D. Baker, but I... It's D. Bradley Baker. Or D. Bradley... I'm sorry. Uh, again... <laughs> he's been, he's been like, saying Bradley D. Baker because his name is Bradley. I know. I, I'm i a little tired. Bradley um, Brower, Bradley Baker. I mean, obviously it's him, but... It does it did not sound weird to you? Like there was like a It did and it was deliberate because do you remember his portrayal in Rebels? Not at all. So in Rebels he has this kind of insane voice that he does. He doesn't talk like the normal clones. He talks like this kind of guy who's been through the ringer just a little bit. Oh, uh, so this is like And we can her. see some of that in the voice performance that D. Bradley Baker gives as Gregor in this episode. Okay. So I like thought, it. it. It makes sense, though. So. Yeah, and I'm not sure, sh- I don't think we know why he went cuckoo yeah. for Cocoa Puffs. Right. But he just did. it might have something to do with the inhibitor chip, like maybe it mm. misfired. So, gotcha. but we can already see in this episode that he kind of talks like that. Gotcha. Okay. I also do want to note that uh, Gregor's armor with the low cut is a reference to the tank top he will eventually wear in Rebels. Oh, okay. Tech triggers a security alert by accident, which is funny, but also somebody pointed out kind of a minor plot hole because I think in Rebels they mention Rex is able to bypass a code because they're still using the codes that him and Cody designed. I went looking for this scene, but didn't have time to find it to confirm it. But tech triggers a security alert by using an outdated code. Okay. Uh, Firefight ensues. I do want to note here that the Bad Batch is using stuns because they really think they're still fighting clones. But, oh no, they're not. They discover it's actual recruits from around the galaxy. Yeah, and which I thought was weird. Like, wouldn't you then switch over to blasters if you figured out, oh, wait, these aren't even fucking clones. They stick to stuns, but they come to a point in the episode where they're just like, fuck it, murder time. Yeah. And we'll get there. Okay. We'll get to that point. But they do discover that these are actual recruits. They're not clones. They're human people. Well, they're probably well, mostly human, but mostly human. they're people from around the galaxy. There's another New Hope musical cue that I had noted. I don't remember what it is, but here is the point in the episode, if you're watching along with us, that there's another New Hope musical cue. <laughs> there's a neat little hallway one shot. You know me, I love my oneers, where the camera just stays fixed for like a minute. Right. 
and they just fight their way down the hallway. They head into the elevator. Uh, the elevator doors stay open a really long time. And they have a conversation where Gregor explains, well, these troops aren't as well trained, but there's an endless supply of them. So we see how the Empire is transitioning over. This is the benefit of Project War Mantle. They don't have to spend so much money and time training the troops. There are more of them. They're not as well trained, but they're loyal to the Empire. Right. And that loyalty does not come from a place of programming. That's a genuine loyalty. Yeah, it's just like endless cannon fodder. Endless cannon fodder of people that are willing to die and actively made the choice. Unlike the clones who never had a choice. So the elevator door opens up. They run into a platoon of troopers and they have a clone commander commando in yellow. I want you to take note of this clone commander in yellow because we're going to come back to him in a minute. Okay. But before we do that, we have a see another scene on the Marauder where Omega is pacing back and forth and holding Lula and Wrecker is just completely chill. Wait, who's Lula again? I knew you were going to ask this. Okay, Lula uh, is the stuffed animal. Oh, the oh. <laughs> for a second I thought you were talking about the weird armadillo thing from the last episode. And I was like, wait, Ruby. that's not in this episode. <laughs> no, Omega just uh, Ruby napped Ruby away from uh, Roland Durand. You're talking about her Build-A-Bear. Yes, I understand. Yes. Her. Wrecker's Build-A-Bear that he Wrecker's gave. Wrecker's Build-A-Bear. Gotcha. Yeah, because I was like... Um, you know that what's funny is Build-A-Bear is actually making Loathcats now, so you can get one online. You've if you sent want this one. to me. I was <laughs> like, that is so funny me. that they're doing that. But anyway, side. Uh, are you going to get one? Ooh, that's a tough one. No, I think I'll save my money and just the next the once I actually go to Galaxy's Edge, if I I'll get like an official one from there. Okay. Because I think that's like probably cuter, you know. I need to uh, I need to lock down my tickets. I I think sometime next month I'm going to start making my reservations because I want to go ahead and make my reservation for Ride of the Resist Rise of the Resistance. Make my reservations at Olga's Cantina. Get all that squared away. But I also want to uh, maybe maybe get one of my credit cards to a point that maybe we could put some extra things on it just in case I decide to buy the Asajj Ventress lightsabers to piss you off. Yeah, uh, just buying two copies of them so that you can uh, connect them to make a double blade. <laughs> See, he jokes about this, but if I were to do this and I had the Asajj Ventress lightsabers and he didn't, he would be uh, seething with hatred. Exactly. I noted here, so do you remember, Bradley, uh, when we eventually cover Rebels, be it on here or one of the other platforms that we're we're working on, do you remember our Ezra Bridger kill counter? Yes, I do. Have you thought about how very different the Bad Batch is compared to the Rebel Alliance in it's, terms of their murder rate? I See, it's different, though, with the clones because they're actual soldiers, so I don't really care if they do it. Like, versus Ezra, who's a fucking... 14 year old boy basically who is straight up murdering these, uh, these stormtroopers no problem with it and even after the clones find out that the stormtroopers aren't other clones they're still trying to stun them and use the gas yes. grenades and you have the rebels here like nah 
we're just gonna murder you all exactly i just noted that i think the parallels to a new hope with how many people that they actually kill aboard the death star and then how many people they kill aboard the death star so they run around and this clone commando in yellow jumps around kind of the side crawls around the side ambushes them Mm -hmm. gets super shot Shoots Gregor twice and then gets like super stunned and just gets the crap kicked out of him. Did it stand out to you weird that this was treated as kind of a moment? I mean, a little bit because now to be fair, it could have been treated as a moment to like just if it didn't mean anything, it was just because they needed a dramatic way for Gregor to get shot. You know what I mean? But obviously it means something to you because it it's something or someone. What he's not saying is that uh, as he's talking, my lips are like pursed in this smug kind of, <laughs> oh, he he knows that he's just setting me up to go on a spiel. So that, according to Wikipedia, now I tried to fact check this. I checked the episode description. I checked the cast list. It does not appear to be officially confirmed by any source that I can see, but Wikipedia thought that this was a big enough deal that the character page for this character has already been edited. To oh, okay. This. That is RC1262, AKA Scorch. Scorch is a character from the Republic Commando video game, which you can purchase currently a remastered version on the Switch and play. It was one of the best games to come out of the Clone Wars era uh, when Lucasfilm, basically the time LucasArts would basically like contract anybody who wanted to do a Star Wars game to do a Star Wars game. Some of them were eh, some of them were amazing. Republic Commando was amazing. Cool. But he is one of the four clone squad that appears in that game. Oh, okay. That squad appears in one scene in the Clone Wars. They appear in the episode Witches of the Mist. They are the squad that transports the body of the slain Jedi back to the council. they have no speaking lines they're just there they happen to be the clones that are next to them but by dave filoni's specific request they were included as a cameo so that actually is scorch from delta squad from that scene in clone wars cool yeah for all you video game nerds out there yeah, you should uh, get Republic Commando for the Switch, Bradley. I know you have a Switch. I don't like shooting games. You'll like this one. No, I won't. He doesn't He doesn't like shooting games. <laughs> God almighty. I like games where I can uh, farm and turn into a wolf and collect uh, stars and, you know, all those kind of dumbass games. Just say you're a Nintendo fanboy, Bradley. <laughs> you can say it. We won't judge you too hard. Mm-hmm. Although the Switch is getting an exclusive Star Wars uh, MOBA in the form of Star Wars Hunters. But if I talk about Star Wars video games, we'll literally be here. I was going to say, we got to move on. 
And this episode is already, I have a full page of notes left. Oh my God. Okay. So we're going to blast through this. Uh, they decide to go through a vent to escape. Mm-hmm. Tex grenade like perfectly pops the vent off somehow. I don't get it, but there we go. It was put uh, right in the middle. So there you go. It like, I guess watching it the third time, it kind of like the specific grenade like pulled it in or like expanded uh, it or something to pop it. I don't know. It's fucking Star Wars logic. They managed to get to the vent so they can call and fly out. Omega is actually flying the ship. I don't know if you noticed. Did you notice this, that Omega is actually flying the ship? Um, she yeah. The pilot seat. I thought it was like a fun little like, hey, look what she can do now. Like. Or somebody has taught her in like the intervening episodes, like how to fly the ship, or she's been taking lessons in a way. Like, remember, Tech said she couldn't fly the ship unless she learned this until she learned the specifications. Right. That's what she told Hera. Oh. So, possibly in the intervening time, Tech has taught her the basics of flying the ship. Oh, okay. I like it. But you're, you're letting your uh, however old she is, 12 year old child, drive your car. That's I fine. Know. Sure, why not? But uh, the reason she's doing that is because Wrecker needs to be at the ramp. Mm. Because Wrecker does not give a shit about your stun nonsense. Yeah. Wrecker is here to wreck shit. (laughs) And so when Wrecker comes out, he comes out blaster bolts blazing. That's right. And just is firing into the vent after them. Well, because, you know, what's funny is... He has no idea kind of like what's going on, basically. Like he, all he knows is I have to rescue the team, right? So he is just going in and shooting them. Whereas they were trying to stun before. I just find it funny that Wrecker is instantly going for kill instead of like- Immediately murder. It. Yeah, he doesn't even consider it. He just goes, okay. Okay, cool. Let's go. Uh, they deploy ships to come after them. It's a lot of outdated tech. L-A-T-I gunships, V-wings. We don't have time to get into it. Uh, Tech and uh, Gregor manage to get aboard. Tech takes over flying the ship, delivers the best compliment that I have heard from Tech this entire series. He tells Omega, that is sufficient. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the nicest way he can say good job. Good job. (laughs) That is sufficient. This is acceptable. Your performance was acceptable. Now move. Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently, Echo is also fine with murder uh, because when the clone commando comes after them, they, like, beat him up for a bit, and then Echo, like, shoves him in the way. He doesn't shove him off the platform. They shove him in the way of the vent and let his own troopers blast him off the platform. Yeah, they're like, here, you murder your own guy. That's fine. Which, uh, where's that bad stormtrooper aim now, motherfuckers? (laughs) Hmm? Hmm. Where's that bad stormtrooper aim you're always on about? Not fucking uh, here. Well, here I can defend that because this is the very early stages when the clones are still alive and training the troopers, and then moving forward in time, they are trained by stormtroopers who weren't properly trained by the clone troopers. So therefore, the, the the level Bullshit. of uh, skill keeps getting lesser and lesser every time there's a new batch of stormtroopers because they keep getting trained by somebody who wasn't very good before them, and so it keeps getting worse and worse. It's kind of like if you work at McDonald's and like the person before you like really fucking hated the job, so they didn't bother to like learn anything and then you come in as a new recruit and they're like oh you don't have to do that 
oh, you don't need to do that. It's fine. This is just how you do it. And then you just like get bad habits thrust upon you. I hate that your point is really good. (laughs) I despise the fact that that was a very convincing argument for why the stormtroopers may not have as good of a reputation by the time of the Mandalorian. But I still hold to my belief that they are deliberately missing on the first Death Star. That's totally possible. Yeah. I Go back and listen to our, uh, I think it's Mando Season 1, Episode 6. Possibly. I think where I go on the Stormtrooper rant, I lay out all the reasons that I think the Stormtrooper aim thing right. is well, I just like that this kind of even enhances like, oh, wait, maybe there's a little bit more to it than just, oh, stormtroopers suck at shooting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a nice, like, they keep delving into this. That's good. That's, I remember watching a episode of Rebels Recon and, and Pablo Hidalgo pointed out the jet pack, the space packs, the oxygen packs that they're wearing in A New Hope. I had never even noticed it. Right. There's an air scene, they have to fly away real quick, and they get blasted by a V-Wing, and they're losing power. And who should walk by Omega but Gonky? <laughs> and Omega's like, Gonky, it is time. Right. Your time you has are come, a Gonky. Power droid. <laughs> Your time has come. We've been building up to this for 14 episodes, Gonky. This is your chance to shine. Well, she also said, like, uh, or somebody said, oh, he's defective. He can't hold a charge very well. And she never gave up on him. All right. He's always she... tinkering with him. Mm-hmm. She believed in Gonky. <laughs> and when they needed Gonky, Gonky was there to come in clutch. That's right. Even the fucking droid got a character arc in this season. Love that. So we get this action air scene. They come back around. Echo gets on board the ship, but Hunter falls off. And when he falls off and he hits the ground and they land and and he delivers the line that's like, Tech, I'm ordering you to get them out of here. Mm-hmm. And Tech hesitates for just a moment before he hits the thruster forward. It is so subtle and so quiet of a moment, but it humanizes Tech in a way that nothing else in this show thus far has humanized Tech. This single moment of hesitation and then he slams on the thrusters to get them out of there. This whole scene is nothing but pain, pain and misery. Yeah, I, I mean, they obviously had to leave him. Like, it wasn't like a, you have to set up the next two episodes, obviously. <laughs> so it wasn't like a, because I would be mad, honestly. Because if he got out of this, there would be no next episode. Like, it would be like, great, There's just this is just another detour episode where we saved a clone trooper. But they kind of, by leaving Hunter behind, you have enhanced this episode in a, now there's a story arc here. We have more to do. Not only that, but it goes back to the thesis statement of this episode. The question being posed by this episode is which is superior training or numbers. Mm-hmm. Throughout the episode, we see countless times the Bad Batch is put up against groups that are larger than they are. The forces they're fighting are always more than them. They are always outnumbered. And it looks like that 
the episode is going to come down on the side of our training is superior and then hunter falls right and in this mistake and the fact that he has to be left behind the numbers sweep in over the course of the air fight they just keep fielding v-wing after v-wing after v-wing it doesn't let up wrecker is destroying fighter after fighter after fighter and they just will not stop and this whole sequence in the air is just them driving home the fact that no matter how many you destroy the empire will always have more right it will always have more it will always be able to field more if they die the empire doesn't care it has reserves right they'll just keep sending more after you it doesn't matter this one mistake by Hunter and the whole thing is, is scuttled. They almost had a perfect mission. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is scuttled because they were right on the, the empire was right on the scene with those troops and they were right on the scene with more fighters and they could not have possibly gone back for it. And that's the thesis statement of this episode. That's the point <laughs> conclusion it eventually comes to is the numbers win at least for now. That went to some places. Let's talk about murder. Yeah, get to the best part of the episode. Okay, so Lama Sue is standing in his office and the door opens and Rampart is standing there and thunder rumbles. (laughs) And the subtitles want you to know that thunder is rumbling behind Rampart. And he walks in and is like, we have caught your scientist attempting to leave. And Labasu is like, oh. Shock. That's bad. Uh, she totally acted on her own and I will discipline uh, my scientist who I am currently throwing under the bus uh, because I am a piece of shit. Uh, discipline them properly. Right. And Rampart's like, that is fucking adorable <laughs> that you think that I am falling for this shit right now. I know. I, I love that because um, Rampart does have the best line in the whole entire episode. What do you think? I still think it's the we have empowered them to our own detriment line, but what do you think is the best line in this episode? I, know, I think it's he's he literally says uh, a scientist I have use for, a politician I do not. Like, I think that's such a good, well, because it's got two two parts to it. One, Obviously, the Empire has no use for politicians because it's an empire. Like it's Clearly, they like, shot yeah. Orn Frita in the head. Right. I mean, but, he survived, but they shot him in the head. But it's also just like a fun play on like, like just the idea that like scientists actually contribute something to society, whereas like politicians <laughs> do not. Like it's like a fun mm. little play on that. I don't know. I just think it's funny because like everybody hates politicians, but not everybody. It's true. You know, and then scientists you know, do stuff for us. So it's, it's like... true. <laughs> All politicians are bad. And when we get to covering Andor, um, I will even discuss how uh, my one of my favorite characters in the entire franchise, Mon Mothma, is also bad. Yeah. All politicians in general are bad. Right. I've been reading... So The Rising Storm was so fucking good. I mentioned this at the top of the episode. The Rising Storm was so good that it caused me to... Go back and read all the High Republic comics, all the High Republic Adventures comics. Started me reading the old Star Wars comics from 2015, 2016. I think I'm now into 2017. Uh, But I've also been reading some of the novels and rereading some of the novels that I never quite internalized. I'm reading Phasma now. 
And there's a lot of talk in Phasma. She has a lot of discussions with Brendel Hux about the First Order. And Phasma does a great job, the novel, of explaining the First Order's mentality. They talk a lot about what that what the First Order means, what it means to want to bring order to the galaxy. And part of that is they really fucking hate politicians. Mm. They really hate the idea of lording over like politicians being able to lord over people to use that representative power Mm -hmm. uh, to enrich themselves and that ideology from the first order you can see it born of the empire here in rampart where he's like uh scientists are useful politicians are useful for target practice which i can't say i disagree with rampart entirely (laughs) Uh, Rampart's basically like, yeah, we need a scientist. We don't need a politician. Right. Uh, I'm sure the emperor could find some use for somebody who's good at cloning. I wonder and, why and he needs Lamasu. I mean, or uh, Nalasay. Nalasay. I wonder why he needs her. <laughs> but they have one of the guys, death, I keep wanting to call them death troopers. One of the uh, elite trooper squad walks Nalase out with Rampart and the other two stay in the room with Lama Sue as he looks terrified. And I think one of them that remains is actually Crosshair. I think the one that's close to the camera is actually Crosshair. That's what I thought too, because I think his gun is slightly longer than mm-hmm. everybody else's. And so I think, yes, that I didn't crosshair. 100% check, but I'm 99% sure it's Crosshair. The door closes and then the shot stays on the door. Just long enough for you to know what's happening inside. I'm surprised they didn't play any sounds of blaster fire. My third viewing, I heard what might have been two gunshots, two blaster shots. That was very quiet, but it also could have been uh, tempany in the score. I would, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Gotcha. If they did it, I almost kind of like the idea that you can't hear anything, but it stays. In animation, every frame counts. Right. They held on this door for like two two or three full seconds before they started the transition. So like they want you to know what's happening inside that room. Right. And what's happening is... Uh, murder. Murder. <laughs> murder. We jump back to the final scene. Hunter is in a cell. It, it must be sometime later because Crosshair is here now. And Crosshair is like, well, I wanted the whole batch, but uh, I suppose you'll do. And something bad is going to happen to Hunter now. (laughs) And that is where we end the episode. I noted the the parallel to Rebels here. Mm -hmm. The end of the first um, season of Rebels, Kanan is captured Mm. and taken to Mustafar. And the last two episodes are them going to get him back. And so that was an interesting parallel that they reused that plot point. Right. Uh, but that was that was generally the episode. We ended on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, there were a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of detail in this one. Good Lord. Yeah, I liked it. It was... Um... It was great because, one, yes, it was an improvement from last week. Thank God there was some action. Thank God there was some fucking just, I mean, even just any plot 
the script <laughs> the script in this one was so tight yeah. as opposed to last week where it was very loose and i don't want to be like that guy you know the guy i'm talking about that guy who's yeah. like nitpicking specific lines and is like thing bad because specific lines didn't make sense no my issue with infestation was that it had all of the plot points that didn't quite line up with none of the character stuff that is supposed to compensate for that here i felt like it had a very tight script but it also had these wonderful character moments and wonderful just explorations of where these characters are now just the subtle details everybody was involved in some way everybody got kind of a moment of characterization uh i loved it it was great i've i am personally of the opinion especially when it comes to star wars not everything has to make sense your movie or tv show or whatever does not have to be 100 perfect mm -hmm. as long as the themes are on point and i think this episode was 100 on point i agree all right um where is Cody? Why isn't Cody? Uh, when question. is Cody? <laughs> Great question. Where the fuck is Cody? Actually, yeah. we've had every other clone. You had Cut Quain. Gregory's here now. Rex was here. I mean, come on. You invented a whole new clone, which I'm not even mad about, Daddy Hauser. You know, what? I don't mind. Yeah, that they invented Hauser, but I also feel like that could have easily just been Cody and called it a day. Like, yeah, I mean. I think they're planning something for Cody. Yeah, they didn't have. We they're will planning get to... a whole show. They're they're planning a whole show behind Cody. I know <laughs> it. I can feel it. We will get to some of the notable absences in the first season when we get to our uh, season one recap. Right. I will note one in particular that I already have noted that I'm slightly confused as to why they didn't show up, but we'll get to that. So I apologize if uh, you're here for the twink. Uh, it was mostly me talking about references this week. Uh, well, But let's get into the socials, where the people can find us. You can find us on Twitter at at Gold Squad Gaze. You can follow us for updates on the show and the general expanding brand. Uh, but I also try to retweet other LGBT plus podcasts and things for people to check out. So definitely follow us over there. You can follow us on Instagram at, at Gold Squadron Gaze. Bradley shares funny memes sometimes. But our Instagram is also linked to our new social, which is our TikTok, which you can follow at, at Gold Squadron Gaze. If you haven't seen what we cooked up for how to make the episode clips interesting, you definitely should check it out. I am personally very proud of it. I think it's awesome what we're doing over there so definitely check that out give that a follow you can also find me on twitch at at cwrogers6 it is the same as my twitter handle we play star wars games every monday when work permits me to right. uh, we are currently playing through fallen order and we are almost finished but we're talking about its connections to the bad batch and i'm not sure what we're going to play next so Bradley, take us home, because I know you probably want to crash now. Well, I want to drink some alcohol, and then I want to <laughs> crash, so. Mood. Uh, check us out next week and every week for another episode of Gold Squadron Gaze. This, 
this episode of Gold Squadron Gaze is literally nothing but a, a insane list of references that I compiled and Bradley going, oh, huh, I can kind of see that. <laughs> yeah, well, they're very clever for doing that. Okay, great. <laughs>